Welcome to episode four of 115 Miles. In this episode, Josh and I talk about our hopes for life after lockdown. We deep dive into race and racial bias, and we also discover that Josh would rather live with Donald Trump than Boris Johnson. Enjoy. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Khan. Living exactly 115 miles apart, our lives could not have been more different growing up, yet we find ourselves today as really good friends with many similar outlooks and perspectives. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture and everything in between. Episode 4, Josh, we're here, how's it going? I'm good mate, I'm buzzing about today, absolutely buzzing. Yeah, me too, me too. How's your, uh, how's your week been so far? Uh, it's good. I managed to not uh, ingest any uh, disinfectant, uh, so I'm feeling pretty good. I've been, I've had a really busy, hectic week, but a really good and laid back weekend, mate. So I'm feeling hyped up this week and ready to go. Yeah, likewise, likewise. So listen, I want to um, kick things off with a little uh, game that I play with my kids. Oh yeah, it's at, it's direct at you. Quick fire, no no reasons given. I just want to, I want your intuitive first answer, okay? So just, so the, okay, I'm good, yeah. I'll so the it. game is called Would You Rather. Do you know the game? N- never heard of it, no. Okay, so Would You Rather. So I'm going to give you two options. I'm going to say Would You Rather, and you've got to pick one. No, no, like getting out, no saying no. So this is a game that we play at bedtime usually. Okay. So, ready? I'm ready, mate. I'm ready, born ready. Would you rather live with Boris Johnson or Donald Trump? Donald Trump. Really? Okay. Do you want me to answer why? Can I give you why? No, 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 right. no. We just, okay. Would you rather have no money forever or no food forever? No money. Okay. Uh, would you rather lose access to Instagram or YouTube? Um, Instagram. Okay. Would you rather... Pledge allegiance to Oxford United or Liverpool Football Club? Liverpool Football Club every single day of the week without question. Okay, and this one was from actually from um, one when, when, I, when I played with my kids. Would you rather have your bum on your face or your face on your bum? <laughs> <laughs> my face on my bum. <laughs> okay. Okay, man. And there you have an insight into Josh Connolly yeah. and uh, his inner workings. Do you know what? Uh, Actually, I found all of them relatively easy, apart from uh, I could probably change the money in the food one, right? Because if I had money, then I could just buy food. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I know you. You much. love your food. So uh, you went straight there. Oh, straight you, to you, food, you, yeah. you, like, you just went food. Yeah, Don't exactly. care if I'm destitute as long as I've got a big fat belly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go back to Boris Johnson and Trump then. Why did I pick Trump? Yeah. By the way, it's a complete, in my opinion, a lesser of two evils, right? And I, I, and I wouldn't want to have to pick one. Lesser of two evils. But. Trump. Okay. I think Trump is less slippery. So I think they're both a pair of idiots. <laughs> but um, I think. And you, you, if you're living with him, you want him to be less slippery, right? Yeah, and Trump's more open, like Trump's more, at least Trump, and I think this is why people like Trump, a lot of people like Trump, is because he's just, he's very, I think he is what he is, right? 
Uh, and I think he's less, I think he believes everything he says. Whereas I would say Boris Johnson is, is a little bit more clever and kind of says what he thinks is right in the moment and stuff like that and hides his true view. Oh, I don't know, man. Living living with Donald Trump for eternity is a nightmare to me. What, more so than living with Boris Johnson? Yeah, I think so. Why? I, I think I'd probably, I'd appreciate intellectual conversation, whether he's slippery or would have an argument. I'd, what, and I'd you're getting that from Boris Johnson, intellectual more, conversation? More than Trump, more than Trump. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, Trump, uh, Trump really trumped it this <laughs> This past week with the disinfectant. I mean, that is whole levels of stupid. Anyway. Actually, what I thought was even better was that his defense for it in the end was, oh, it's just being sarcastic. Yeah, just, you know. But actually, why we're there, we're, I'll touch on it. Trump is actually, Trump is a, is a, is a for, I think he's a proper version of a, of a narcissist, right? And being a narcissist is slightly different to having narcissistic tendencies. We can all fall into having narcissistic tendencies. But I reckon a true narc uh, has a complete inability to self-reflect. So that's why I think when he says what he says, he doesn't, he's not thinking, oh, I can't say that, I better say this. He genuinely thinks what he's saying is right because he'll never self-reflect. He'll never have the ability to see, well, actually, when I said that, maybe I was a little bit silly, right? Mm. And if he'd have come out the next week and just been like, you know what? He was a little bit naive to say what I said. I was kind of just thinking out loud and maybe I shouldn't have said it, right? And I would have maybe had a little bit more respect. But, but because he can't self-reflect, he won't do that. He'll just think, well, I was just being sarcastic. So that's yeah. the difference between a, nar a true narcissist and somebody who has narcissistic tendencies. Yeah. No, I think you're right there. I think you're right there. So, um, so what, what have you been up to since we last uh, were on the potty? Uh, I've been prepping really for this week. I've had like, so I've done a few, I've been doing a few more like of the Instagram lives, which have been pretty good. I've had quite a bit of fun doing them. And then this week I'm delivering all week. So um, I set up like the this evening, I'm going to be delivering a seminar for teachers as well, which I'm quite excited about. It's had quite a big, quite a big uptake, actually bigger than I thought. So that's been good. Tell us about uh, that, mate. So... I deliver a seminar normally in person to, to teachers and it's something that I've been doing for, for, for a couple of years, but I do it from the perspective of, you will notice about me, right? I, I think really, really highly of teachers, right? Because I think that when I go into the schools and I see the work that they do uh, and the battles that they're consistently fighting all of the time, uh, I, I hold them in high regard. And actually, I don't think they necessarily need teaching how to do things differently i just think they need to make we, we need to arm them with the perspective of knowing a bit more about why people might present in the way that they do why young people might present in the way that they do and then know that the main majority of teachers will know what to do in the moment armed with the right information so the seminar that i give is much more about you know the deep stuff that i talk about how and why you might have a problematic uh young person within your lesson and where that comes from going beyond the anger and stuff like that when i was a kid i had a lot of anger management and i don't think you can necessarily manage your anger anger is a reaction to a feeling and what i needed was help with that feeling and so i just think you know it'll be about that it'll be about creating the discussion and not necessarily telling them what they should do but saying here's some of 
the reasonings and my beliefs. And maybe now it might help you to change the way that you work as a teacher. So I'm doing that this evening in between uh, three webcasts today. So I've got first ones, Europe, UK, Russia. Then this evening is America and Canada. And then tonight, Australia, New Zealand and Southeast Asia, mate. Wow, so, mate. Global citizen. Yes. You're traveling the world, even though from, from the comfort of your... Of your office. Of my office. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Have you had a busy week? What have you been doing with it's yourself? It's been busy. Yeah, no, it's been busy. Um, just, uh, we've got, you know, we've got stuff we're doing with clients. Um, and then me and the boys are um, taking some of the stuff that we do in person training and turning that into um, uh, digital content. Um, so we're sort of in the middle of that. And then we're working on kind of a longer term uh, product idea that um, we think is just really needed right now. So that's quite busy. Heads in sort of three different kind of flows, but um, and then um, um, and then just just trying to you know get some sort of systems around all three so that we don't end up just kind of spinning too many plates and you know and and not know what we're doing and just catching up with people and stuff like that which is um, which is good I'm, I've I'm done that I've that. done a bit I've done a bit do you know what I've done a bit of like reconnecting or connecting with people this week with no um proper objective so not like what's the result what's the outcome from this call just like let's connect as human beings and see what sort of path we're both on and I think we lost the art of doing that that's one of the positives that I've seen come from this you know from this week and then also Mixing about and looking at some of the news. Tell me, Hass, very quickly. I don't want to spend too much time on this, I don't think. You might not even have an opinion on it. What do you think about Richard Branson taking the taxpayers' money to get a bailout for his virgin boys? It's a very, very pointed question. Um, uh, you can say I don't have an opinion on it. I, 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 I do. The opinion I have is... Um, is that it shouldn't just be Richard Branson, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And if you have significant wealth like that, if you have um, taken advantages of uh, the really loose tax system, uh, and you have uh, you know amassed wealth, then you should be digging your hands in your pocket, right? Yeah. Um, but because of the way that Richard Branson has built his empire, which is a lot of uh, public uh, kind of PR and tr trading on the underdog story, um, you know, he, he's getting singled out and people are saying calling for remove his knighthood and stuff. I don't think so. I mean, he's doing what any other corporation is doing. It's just he's the figurehead of a corporation. Mm. But all corporations should be treated the same. And if you've got, if you've got enough reserve, then you should consider doing it. The problem is, is that it's indiscriminate in a way uh, and they're taking advantage of that. So um, I don't think he should be necessarily singularly vilified, but I do think he should be part of a group of CEOs of big corporations who should, where, where the scrutiny should come at them and say, you need to be putting your hand in your pocket. Good. That's a good way to start the podcast. Has is calling out all the big CEOs to put their hands yeah, in their pocket. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Except the ones I work with. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, look, look, and I like your opinion on it. I, I I couldn't really put into words what I was feeling on it, but I felt it was all a little bit harsh on him, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, but, you know, 
I don't know semantics of it, to be honest with you. Uh, so, so that's why I didn't have an opinion. On. So I want to ask, I want to have a conversation, um, actually. It's been on my mind about what comes next, right? Right. And actually, rather than frame it in building from the base level we go to, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in the, the dream at the other side of it, right? Right. So, so the framing for this part is hope. Right. Right. So we're in it now. We, you know, it's raining today. That's not very nice and it's pretty miserable. But, you know, you know you're starting to see that things might, you know, there's conversations about things easing up. You can see it in New Zealand that they're starting to talk about going back to work. So, you know, that we are going to be starting to return to something that isn't lockdown, right? So we don't know what yeah. it is, but it isn't lockdown. And I'm just curious, what are you hopeful for when we come back? Uh, do you know what? I, this is a question that's like come up quite a lot with a lot of sort of conversation, right? It's quite a topical thing at the moment. And I don't want to sit on the fence and say, I don't really know, but I guess it's what learnings, what like, hope is the idea that there's something better, right? So if you're asking me what my hopes are for when we return, am I hoping that something about the world might be better? Um, I, I would hope that, I would hope that there would be some improvement, but I don't think there will be very much improvement. Um, I hope that we can learn, and I don't want to steal too much of my thunder on what I'm going to be bringing up later on the reasons to be cheerful, but I do think that we, you know, in, in short, hopefully have come back to recognising the value in one another rather than being overly materialistic and only seeing the value in what we can get for ourselves. You know, so when you look at, uh, we're all sort of seeing the value in the people that work within the NHS again. You know, I've spent some, you know, I, I wouldn't think twice about the binmen, for example, when they come here. But when we put the bin out yesterday, I was saying to Leah, my wife, is there, any, have we got any beer laying about or something that we can put out as like a little bit of a gift? So. I hope that we can that, that that people can spend a bit of more time with that, um, but but I don't know how much of that will transpire. I'm assuming, based on your question, that you have some kind of tangible idea of what you hope for. No, and the, it's not about what you think might happen. I asked you what you are hopeful for. Yeah, well, uh, to be honest with you, I, then in in that in that case, I'm going to give a, an answer, which, which is I hope things go back to how they were. I was happy before lockdown, right? I, my life was going good. Uh, I, like I, I enjoyed the space in which I was working in. So I hope things, in 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 that respect, I hope that we can we can go back to how we were and things don't don't change too much. But I guess that's from a personal perspective, right? So that's that, that's based on me and my world, I guess in a bigger picture. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think at a personal level, we're all cravings, you know, the ability to take back what has been taken away, you know, in a way, like freedom of movement, seeing family, uh, going out, going back our business, you know, mm. look, you know, that's how we're wired. So I, I fully appreciate that. 
And so elements of that I want to return to. But also, I also there are lots of things I don't want to return to. You know, I don't want to return to, um, from a work perspective, um, being less present and having less time with the family. I know it's unrealistic to have exact, you know, the same amount of time that I've got now, but, you know, having, uh, not just getting pulled into work so much that you stop kind of being as present as you have been now. But also I think, um, you know, I don't want us to go back to a society, like just talking about what you just said now, I don't want us to go back to a society where we don't appreciate the people that put themselves on the line. Yeah. That's like something. I also don't want to um, go back to a society where we just wantonly just jump on planes and like beat up the environment and, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and what I'm hopeful for is just a better conversation around inequality, um, which might sound really deep, but actually I think it's really, it's really showing up. You know, you and I have talked about this before. We've talked about the fact that we've got a garden and other people haven't. We've talked about some people. I was just talking, you know, um, to Erin as we were, as we were walking the other day, and you know, for some families, and obviously, you know, I'm a trustee on a charity um, uh, down in uh, South End. It's called Pack with Smiles, and they give some like um, uniform parcels to to. Uh, kids from less kind of economically well-off families and um, you know for a lot of kids they would go to school and that would be their you know one healthy meal a day you know this you know you mm. see it all the time and uh, now having to uh, you know parents having to do you know print out stuff and buy pencils and you know there's just like that that little bit of money that I might have had for food is now having to go to other stuff and it's just, it's not on. So there are some people, it's hard on everyone, but it's definitely harder for a lot of other people. And I'm so I'm hopeful that we are able to have a really proactive conversation about um, what, what we're going to do as a society to not, you know, to try not to leave people behind. You know, structures just protect the people that are privileged is you know yeah. and we're benefiting. So and you you're benefiting as a male working uh, you know, you've got family, you own your house, you know, I'm, I'm the same, by the way, you know, I've got all those stuff. Um, so it's just how can we kind of have a conversation to, to kind of, you know, to raise the bar for everyone. Mm. And I hope, look, look, I hope the conversation, I hope the conversation does come. Um, I, 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 I'd like to be optimistic about it, right? And I don't, like, I'm, I'm frightened of sounding like a bit downtrodden about it, but I'm actually... I'm worried about that side of stuff because a lot of money has been borrowed in this time and the line of we're still recovering financially from COVID-19 is one that I fear will be thrown out for, for many years to come and I don't expect it to be thrown out necessarily to some of the massive corporations. I just don't. I expect it now. Uh, I think NHS workers, for example, uh, I think that that conversation will be had. I think there will be money made available, and we will have f more financial respect for people that work within the NHS. But I do think that somewhere it will be vulnerable people that will have 
funding and money taken away from them in in order in order to um, keep the the general national consensus happy. So if we come through this and everyone's like NHS workers have to be paid more, and I certainly would not disagree with that statement. The government will then push to make sure that that happens, but it won't be at the expense of who it, who it maybe should be at the expense of. Because through this, it's we like people that struggle financially have lost have have had it harder. There's no doubt about that in in, in this circumstance. But everybody has lost out, so everyone's going to be feeling hard done by. We spoke a little bit about Richard Branson, right? He's being the he's like epitomizes somebody at the opposite end of the spectrum. The man's lost out. He might be a multimillionaire, but he's lost out, right? Billionaire. Billionaire, yeah. Whatever. Multi-billionaire. Multi-billionaire. <laughs> no, I yeah. get what you're saying. But 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 he's lost out. Now, I'm not saying to you, well, you know, he's lost out as well, so he should benefit. But what I'm saying to you is many, many people like him will be in a place where they feel like, well, hang on a minute, I've worked hard for all of this and I've lost out, so I need rewarding as well. So I don't want to get too much into governmental structures and where the money for the government and all that kind of stuff comes from. But I worry that, for example, uh, schools are not being spoken about much. Yeah, no. And I worry it's teachers, by the way, that will start, you know, sorry, sorry, young people, we don't have any funding. We're struggling from COVID-19. But, but everyone will be celebrating that the NHS staff have rightly got a pay rise, but that money will have come from somewhere. And then somebody, you know, young people... Don't vote. Uh, I don't know people who struggle with addiction. All these kind of people, I think they're the ones that will begin to lose out, or I worry that they will be. Okay. I mean, that's that's making an assumption that the only source of uh, kind of turning things around is the government and where that comes from. And I appreciate it's a massive part of it. They run policy, and that's where the money's going to come from. But I'm also hopeful that emergent conversations come outside of kind of whatever government can do, right? So I listened to this, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts um, other, other than our own one, obviously, uh, on repeat. Um, <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of podcasts um, and one that I came across that was absolutely brilliant um, was um, the, on TED. It was TED.com uh, on their podcast and they were interviewing a guy called Ray Dalio. Ray Dalio is the CEO of, a, uh, of the biggest kind of, uh, investment fund in the world called Bridgewater and um, but he's also written a book called Principles and he's very well known and I think he's kind of moving beyond just you know doing what he does for a day job but also he's now moving into like what can we do for society and he's a very interesting guy um, from my perspective and um, so they were talking to him about uh, like what's what's going to happen to the world after COVID-19 and he was saying um, you know this is uh, some what we're in happens cyclically. It has happened for 500,000 years. It happens every 70, 80 years. The last time that we sort of know of it was the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, you know, it is likely to be, he is predicting it to be a depression rather than a downturn and a recession, right? But he says there are four sort of steps. I can't remember them, so I'm not going to kind of try and do it justice, but I'll definitely recommend people go and listen to it. But, um, you know, you uh, have like four stages that you go through and uh, for the next two or three years, it's going to be pretty hard. You know, what happens is one of the stages is you kind of you borrow loads, which is what we're sort of doing. And then after that, like an, an emergent economy comes out and then, you know, and then you sort of drive prosperity. And that's probably in about four years time. So it is going to be tough and there's no doubt about it. 
But the other thing that they asked him was, well, what businesses will be interested to know what businesses are going to kind of prosper, are going to be all right here? And this is what kind of gave me a little bit of hope. So you've got your Steady Eddies. He referred to um, Campbell Soup, which is obviously big in America. For us, it would be like Kellogg's or something like that. You know, that would be, um, that would probably still be fine and be able to weather it. Um, but then he said, you know, the ones that are invented, the, you know, the, the companies, the ones that are invented. So I'm hopeful and I'm, I'm I, with a massive dose of realism, I know, but I'm hopeful that businesses like my own that's trying to kind of figure out, you know, ways to innovate um, may be able to help the conversation. So technology and science and intention and goodwill and you know, people that are f wanting to found businesses on the right principles may be able to drive a, a conversation outside of kind of leaning on governments. Mm. Um, and there are loads of things kind of emerging, loads of societal kind of, uh, you know, companies that are leaning into technology and community and content marketing um, that might, you know, sort to improve things. So if you just look at the way that we talked about Captain Tom more, more last week, you know, mm. he wanted to raise a, a thousand and then what was it clocked up at 27 million. That is the power of community, the power of technology, the power of content marketing. And that's brilliant. So why can't we start to do more of that? That's kind of what I'm hopeful for. Yeah, and I love that. I love that. It's almost, uh, and actually, you know, when we get onto the reasons to be cheerful, I'm, I'm going to touch on some uh, some stuff that really kind of interlinks to that as well. Um, so I'm going to switch it up completely and completely right. change the focus of what we're doing, right? Because right, actually, it's worth saying to the listeners, the, the, the way that we've been kind of experimenting with doing this podcast is what you've just done there, the stuff that you've brought to the table, I had no idea what we were going to talk about, right? And I'm going to do a similar thing for you. So I've I, I, I've come up with an idea that I want to I want to put to you. So I'm gonna I've got three statements, right? Uh, well, actually, I've got I've got two two definite ones, two definite statements, and I'm going to throw the statements out at you, uh, irrespective of whether I believe them or not. So they're hypotheses, right? And I want you to answer them, and I want you to I want you to say whether you agree or disagree, and then I want you to, to tell me why. Okay, so I'm just going to throw the first one out there, and 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 it's gonna it's gonna take this conversation off in a completely different direction. Okay, okay, I'm down. But it does feed into some of the stuff we said. Okay, so this is a statement that I may or may not agree with, but I'm going to put it out there for you to agree or disagree and tell me why. To give some context as well, one of the things that one might notice about me and you is your skin is brown, right? And my skin is white, okay? Now, we are probably, you know, as close as it gets, you know, we're best of friends, right? We're really, mm. really good mm. and close friends, right? Mm. So with that in mind, here's a statement that I may or may not agree with. Okay. I have no racial bias. So you're saying, so the statement is, I, Josh Connolly, have no racial Josh bias. Josh Connolly, me, Josh Connolly, has yeah. no, have no racial bias. Uh, and you want me to agree or disagree? I disagree. Okay. And why do you disagree on that? Uh, well, firstly, you didn't qualify whether it was conscious or unconscious. So just, you know, there are kind of, you can be consciously um, racially biased, like mm -hmm. you know, it, and then the unconscious is kind of, 
um, you're less aware of it. It's because it's always been that way. It's inherent. You grew up that way. You don't even know you're being that way, right? So there's, mm -hmm. there's sort of that thing. Um, but also, I think, I mean, I, you know, look, you, you actually touched upon this in the previous podcast where, you know, you were shaking hands with some people and then some person of uh, color, you kind of fist bumped. And actually, mm. you were just you thought you were just trying to be more uh, friendly and more like on a level. Um, but actually, you, you kind of made a choice to do that versus shake a hand. And there was kind of no malice. Actually, it was the opposite of malice that was intended. There it was kind of show connectivity. So mm -hmm. that's racial bias. Um, I think also, uh, you know, my, my assumption is, is that there is stuff that's been built up over time in the media, even though you've done loads of work, even though you are the, the human being and the, and the wonderful man that you are now, um, there's just some stuff that is w really hardwired in the way that you're thinking. So I imagine if, uh, you walked past a certain group, and I'm not going to call an ethnic group or anything, but you, it, you may, it may trigger different feelings than if you were walking past a different group, right? Mm -hmm. or, or a mixed group of uh, males and females versus, you know, a, a particular group. Um, so, so I think I'm afraid, you know, uh, you have racial bias. And so do I. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I trusted that that was the answer you'd give. And so just to, to kind of elaborate on it, I would give the same answer in that I have to be aware that I have racial bias. And like a lot of my internal journey, it has to be something that I become conscious on working on, yeah? And this is like some of the really helpful and useful conversations I get to have with you, right? As somebody who has a different skin color to me, right? Is to be able to have these open conversations because if I really want to challenge that bias, that that bias that will be there. And for me, I would hope that it's unconscious bias, right? But it's stuff that I can pick up and um, start to try and pull apart, question where it comes from, question why my belief is there, right? And and so I do, I do recognize it in me, right? I think a lot of the big problems that we have when we talk about race within the country is particularly white people, um, we don't want to challenge ourselves to that and we will only see because as a white person growing up in the country that I've grown up in I have never experienced um racism right or, or I, I haven't experienced anybody I, I don't know what it's like to have somebody else picked over me because of the color of their skin right I don't know I, I've never experienced that and so if I'm not willing to question and, and, and understand where that comes from, what you'll often see white people do is say, uh, well, there was, I don't see any racist language here. You're making it racist because you're making it about color. And I, and I think a lot of white people struggle with that. They struggle with that conversation um, and, and, and they wanna see clear evidence that there's been some kind of racism, otherwise yeah. it's not racist. Yeah. 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 And I I grew up in groups of people when I was a young man, for example, who would have listened to the answer that you just gave and been like, You wanna get you've got such a chip on your shoulder, mate. Why are you going on about it, right? Unconscious and all that, let it go. Why are you making an issue of it? That's what I once would have thought, right? 
But having learned and being willing to challenge myself, consistently challenge myself, I've changed my opinion on it quite drastically. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there is this, uh, something I really learned. I went on this like life-changing program called uh, Design for Inclusion by the, the brilliant um, organization called Fearless Futures, who are, I think, you know, clear leaders um, uh, in what they do and kind of helping organizations and individuals to really understand kind of structures and privilege and kind of start to build kind of new things. I think it's, uh, yeah, I was, I say, I don't say life-changing lightly because there's only two courses that were completely life-changing for me. One was my coaching course, which has enabled me to do this. And that's the other one um, run by the brilliant um, Hannah. And, um, but one thing that, uh, loads of things stuck out, but one of the things was um, the, the view of the exception rather than the norm, right? right. So we had, we had a few, uh, a couple of guys in there, white middle-class males and, you know, you know, originally grandfather, one of them, grandfather came from a very poor background, worked really hard and, and, and kind of made his way and kind of had some success. And he was like, uh, well, you know, if he can do it, then anyone can. But, you know, that is like, that was an exception rather than the norm um, mm -hmm. around poverty, right? And, um, but then, you know, it's like, of course, you know, uh, you know, there are success stories in every, <clears throat> in, in kind of every area that you look at. But you can't look at the exceptions and say, well, that can be true of everyone because once those structures and those things are in place, it's just, you know, it's, it, you're always perpetually moving ahead of, um, of whatever that structure is to keep that structure in place, right? And so mm. these things are just, they just become unconscious. Um, and, it, and it's difficult because it's a, it's a hard topic. People don't want to talk about it. And, you know, I know you're, you're, you're sort of calling out white people and it's, yeah, you know, we're in England and there's so much, you know, there's, there's a lot of truth to that, but it, it exists, you know, everywhere, you know, these everywhere, sort yeah, of, yeah, yeah the, the kind of the ones in, in quote unquote power in the position of power will always kind of hold that view. Mm. And that might be between religions. It might be, um, you know, Hindus and Muslims. It might be, um, you know, anti-Semitism. you know, all, all it, like it's, there's always the, oh, I don't, you know, lo take the Labour Party. There's like loads of people that have said, oh, well, it's not, it's not really a problem. They're just trying to kind of make it to get rid of Corbyn. But that's just another, like, it's kind of whitewashing the topic, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you'll see, by the way, one of the really bad things that will come out of this pandemic is that, that, that anti-Semitism towards um, China, right? And you're already seeing it like in people that start to now like uh, have bias towards Chinese people. Right. And there's a lot of yeah. that kind of yeah, racism. Yeah. Race, it's racism. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that that's coming out. And I'm less I'm less calling white people out and more challenging white people, because I think one of the biggest problems that we've that we have. Right. If we want to really change this and challenge it. Right. And, you know, I'm quite passionate about this we got to stop just expecting the victims of this to be the ones that stand up and have the conversation about it. You never see white people, or not never, you rarely see white people challenging this and saying this is wrong, we need to change, it's us. You look at when it was in football, right? All the conversations were about white people empowering black people or BAME people to walk off, right? So it was like, the best we could do as white people were to say, well, if you think it's that bad, I'll stand by you if you walk off. Right? Which is which is me going, well, you know, 
It's bad. But if you don't like it, it's up to you. Yeah, I'll empower you because I'm the one that's in. I'm the one in power. Yeah. Whereas, I think it should have been. No, we're going to walk off. I, as a white man, I'm going to walk off because I'm going to say it's not right for the people that I care about. Which is surely, or do I then fall into that trap myself of them being like I'm the the white man of power that's going to be not? Do you see you what know, I'm saying? I think, yeah, I do. And you know, the, 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 I think the, the the important thing is to um, in this conversation is not to vilify. And I know you're not doing it, but you're not to vilify any particular individual or make it difficult to have a conversation. Yeah. So if there are things you don't know or you're worried about, you know, what what language to use, then you, you, you retreat. You don't want to do this. Right. Yeah. I think one of the things is even like, let's say when you have a team captain who is white, um, who wants to support their teammate who's black. And so they're like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, join you. If you want to do that, I'll do that. You know, they're trying to like show solidarity, but the key difference is, you know, they walk off the field and that's it. In a way, that's it. You know, that's it. They'll go home, they'll do their thing, they'll come back, they'll train, they'll go back on the field, you know, mm. whereas it isn't just a one-off experience. You live with it for life. And like, it's just that no one really, you know, you just don't talk about it. It's just there. And then it's just those moments that kind of get caught in the media, but that's just, you know, that's just, a snapshot of what happens on a daily basis for everyone and so it's it's, it's really not only understanding it because i think there's there is a desire to be more empathetic more compassionate more mm. understanding to be to have more solidarity but there's also uh okay i'm gonna wake up tomorrow and i'm really like i'm really determined to do something about it and i'm mm. consistently determined to do something i'm gonna use my power and my privilege and my persuasion um skills to alter the conversation long term and systemically. That's yeah, the only yeah. way. Because that's the that's the difference from the you've got like the 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 kind of outlandish barbaric thugs at football that are like clearly using racist language and racial gestures, right? That's the stuff that hits the media. I saw a, a a female comedian and I can't remember her name, but she's a black lady, and she was talking about how she was saying, that mindless racism, she was like, that doesn't bother me. She was like, that's mindless idiots, right? I can I can wash that to one side. She was like, the real racism that's going on in our country today that bothers me, she was like, me and my friend, uh, and, and her friend was a black lady as well, she said we were getting the train from somewhere for, for work. She was like, I had a set, so we were first class in this train. We were bought first class train tickets. And she said, we walked into the first class section and you know the doors opened and, and 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 somebody was sat a white guy sat there and said as they walked in oh sorry this is first class yeah and she said that's the kind of racism because he wouldn't have even he wouldn't have even known and if they had said why are you being racist he'd have been like what why have you you got a chip on your shoulder why have you made this about race yeah and i feel like that's the kind of racism that is systematically going on in our country everywhere all the time by good well-meaning people quite often including myself you know and i've had wake-up calls to my own bias and how it plays out in my life even as somebody who is actively trying not to be like that yeah mm. so that's you know i always think that the that gray area that it's not a gray area but that 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 difficult part of the conversation is the bit that gets missed f from 
from from white people of privilege. Because you yeah. see the guy, you know the guy on Question Time? What's your man's name who said... Uh, oh, um... The lady said to him, you're Fox. a white man of What's privilege. Something Fox, yeah. Yeah, and he said, you're racist for saying that to me. And he did the, he did the like, rolled his eyes, didn't he? Yeah, but that that was very deliberate, you know, like that was that was deliberate kind of he's a, a nothing actor and he was trying to get some notoriety and and it worked for a second and then it's gone again you, Do know, you reckon so. that's what that was yeah is that even that is, is that not in some ways worse that he's maybe but that? like the, you know it's like you know katie hopkins was the same you know like you just it's just he's just trying to jump on something he wants to be a flag bearer for you know he might have some right-wing views i'm sure but you know the fact that we're even talking about him just brings him back up and that's just not what we want to do but you know i think i think that isn't the same as what you're saying you know i think i think uh it's it's the sort of oh, oh this is first class you know so you shouldn't be here you know that is just inherent wired that is kind of mm. ingrained it's kind of even probably not taught in an explicit way it's like it's no, just no, that's the thing yeah. yeah um so so i guess what's what what can so if, you know thinking about trying to change a system that is you know decades if not centuries old right mm. um you look at that and you go well you can't you can't do anything about it right um so you go well that's too big so i'm not going to take it on and there's a brilliant quote that i got from that um and i can't remember who it was uh, who said it um uh originally but the quote was um not everything that can be, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. Yeah, yeah. Which is like incredible, right? For yeah. just a metaphor for life. Um, so what do you think just everyday Joes like you and me could do to start to kind of just move it an inch forward? Well, start to have the courage to have these kind of conversations. Because I do a lot of, stuff where people say they thank you for your vulnerability and all stuff like that. But I don't never feel as exposed and vulnerable as I do when I'm talking openly on a platform like this about this stuff. Um, so we need to be, I think we need to be better at, at having these kind of conversations, probably from all sides to some degree. I've got a, 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 a guy I know, his name's Ivan, who, um, I met him on like the speaker circuit and he was ex EDL English defense league. Right. And he was like, uh, very close to Tommy Robinson and stuff like that. Right. And then what happened was he went to, he was organizing one of the events and he went and met a Muslim guy and the Muslim guy was very loving and let him in his house. And he's, they had this conversation and what he found was, is that this Muslim guy, had exactly the same fears and worries as him. And he was like, and he showed him love. And now Ivan tr goes around schools and, and does all this work, uh, tackling extremism and, and allowing the difficult conversations. And he said the biggest weapon that that far right stuff that he got caught up in had was the silence of ordinary people with ordinary fears. And mm -hmm. so it was the com the open conversation with compassion where this guy looked beyond hit, uh, Ivan's current, at the time, prejudice and all of that stuff and had enough compassion and love for him anyway to listen to his fears and worries. Once he listened to him 
listen to them properly, they were able to have a conversation. Ivan had to do the same to the guy and he listened to the, to the guy's problems and all of a sudden they realised they had more common ground than differences. And now, you know, Ivan does loads of work. They come together and they do, they do this amazing work. That's born out of listening to the difficult conversation and having the difficult conversations. So mm. I, I guess that would be an amazing starting point. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But I do think I do think there needs to be more people more more done from white people's side of it. And I worry. I don't know. I feel scared when I say that myself. I don't know yeah, why I feel scared. No, look, I do. Uh, that's that's true for sure. And you know, but I think the point you made before that was really powerful. You know, to be able to have the conversation, to kind of be able to articulate the kind of the ordinary fears or the worries. Um, I think also to you know, to be able to be ignorant for a, for a while, right? Mm. As in, like, to, to lay your ignorance around what language to use, what perceptions you've built up, those sorts of things, to be able to have the conversation and not get, like, beaten up at the beginning. And I said for a while, right, because actually you can kind of bring some level of ignorance, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, it's just as in the not knowing, yeah, yeah. to the conversation, but then have an appetite to kind of, to, to, to address it, to shift those opinions. That's really important. And it's, it's important not to hold that ignorance. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that's that's an important step forward, you know. Mm. And I'm glad we, we're able to have these conversations. It's one of the reasons I think we've created this platform, right? Mm. So yeah. does that bring us on nicely then? Does that bring us towards our reasons after that deep, deep conversation, difficult conversation? Are we Have we arrived at our... our uh, reasons to be cheerful yeah i think so i think that's a you know it's a, it's a good topic and i you know i think we we should we we should stay close to it you know but yeah uh, yeah, yeah. i think it will be, be a thread that runs through a lot of what we do right because you know it's i think it's one of the things that we talk a lot about and mm. but i mean off of the podcast we, we, mm. as friends whenever these things rear their head in the media mm. we're always having conversations about it anyway i'll send you yeah. something on whatsapp and then we'll yeah get on so we'll get on one we'll get on one um yeah reasons to be cheerful who's going first i am all right good because right. i know you wanted to yeah i've been yeah. thinking about it. um no so reasons to be cheerful uh do you know old friendships yeah so you sort of touched upon it, like right at the beginning of the podcast, you know, um, just c connecting with people with, without a really fixed agenda. This is sort of something different for me. This is uh, this, this sort of lockdown period. I've connected with people in a really deep way, old friends that haven't, that, that had become a little bit like text buddies or, you know, you know Facebook buddies. Um, Ooh, friend. Yeah. <laughs> What? what's that <laughs> have you know oh facebook friend did you not oh. used to watch the uh i'm not gonna be able to remember what it's called now uh, no, no you just, don't watch no, that you just, if you can't remember it then it just sounds a bit weird the in-betweeners uh yeah uh yeah not enough to know a quote like all right all right that's just set about ruining your flow <laughs> sorry get back um to you. no no so old friendships really creating deep connections having laughs re like like rekindling like old connections has just been like wonderful got a mate john in australia 
uh, who no, we've stayed in touch. You know, we 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 you know we hung about late nineties, early two thousands uh, when he when he was traveling. He was in London, had such a laugh, and then we just sort of stayed close. But you know, he lives in Sydney, and you know, but we've really really connected. Have a laugh. We're gonna find a, a way that we can. Like I think I'm gonna start at twelve and he's going to be at 9.30 in the evening and we're just going to have a proper social and, you know, and, and have a laugh and, you know, you know, and so it's been really good connecting with him and I'm jumping on with some buddies that, you know, uh, this evening. So yeah, my reason to be cheerful is, is rekindling old friendships. Rekindling. I like that one. I like that one. And I like John. I've met John on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. 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 yeah that's yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Great yeah. hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> love a man with good hair. So my reasons to be cheerful, actually, we've spoke a little bit about it in, 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 in some ways as well. So the flip side of what I'm about to say is, well, actually, I'll tell you what it is. I, I wanted to talk about the, have you seen the 2.6 uh, challenge that's been going on? So it should have been the London Marathon, I think, this weekend, just gone or, or the following weekend. Okay. So what a lot of people have done is broke down 26 miles to 2.6 and they're doing lots of different things for charity, right? And so I've seen lots of these people have been sort of running 2.6 miles a day for, for 10 days or one guy did a marathon in his living room, just going around the outside of his living room and stuff like that. And I do hope, you know, that that opens the door to the wider thing of charity. And I don't just mean charities, but I mean charity from us as people, that 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 willingness to understand that if we have a little bit more privilege of some kind whether it's free time free money free food whatever it may be that we're able to do a bit more sharing of that and we realize the value in giving there is the slight flip side that we explored earlier where you know it could be very easy to say that charity is a failing on government so if you need a charity it's because there's a failing of government but actually i think it goes a lot further than that and i do think that the the the, the giving the ability to be able to give is something that's quite incredible, especially when it comes, seems to have been born out of a time when we've all had to withdraw and we've tracked, we, we, you know, we, we, we've been able to find this desire to give and to help people again. Captain Tom Moore was a great example, um, like you said earlier, of how much money he raised, but not just him, even the people that maybe haven't been able to create the platform or hasn't taken off in the ways that he did, but people are thinking what can i do what can i do as a person to give back to some of the the people within our community and i hope that 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 lasts and i, I do hope so maybe i should have thought of this when you asked me the question earlier but i do hope that's something that survives and i think it's a a, a really good reason to be cheerful when you when you see it happening in the way that it does and has yeah amazing i think that's a uh a wonderful kind of way to to end today's podcast you know just really you know appreciating that even in times of kind of individual fear and worry that people are kind of you know digging in thinking about something bigger that's why i think i would i wanted to point to what we're hopeful for yeah i hope that people won't forget so we've gone full circle on today's episode back to what there is to be hopeful for has it's been a it's been a good conversation. It's gone really in all different it. directions and I've enjoyed it. Yeah. So we'll be back again next week. Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kyle.